You're listening to Flipping Tables on Sunrise Robot. Find out how you can support us at sunriserobot.net slash support. Hey, welcome to episode number 60 of Flipping Tables. I'm one of your hosts, David Lyons. And I'm Mike Edwards. 60. 60 is a good number. Yeah. I like 60. So we do have a little bit of follow-up. And I realized looking back at some of our show notes, like we don't always have follow-up. And that's, I think that's okay. Yeah. I mean, there's some podcasts I listen to where there's like an hour of follow-up. And if you don't keep up with the podcast all the time, it's actually kind of annoying. Yeah. You just, you're like, I don't know any of the things there. <laughs> do you listen to Hello Internet? CGP no. Grays? It's a very good show. It's, I mean, I, I follow his stuff pretty close. So it's the follow-up part is interesting. Sometimes literally the whole episode's follow up. And that's, I mean, that's a cliche also for accidental tech podcasts with Syracuse usually. Yeah. Which again, like that news I'm close to, so it doesn't bother me, but I could see someone being like, oh, I didn't read Reddit for a week, so none of this makes sense to (laughs) me. But uh, bored Elon Musk, if anybody's not familiar with the actual Elon Musk, he is Tony Stark. Yeah, he is (laughs) awesome. And uh, there's a, a parody Twitter account and... I'll link to this tweet in the show notes, but he had very specific thoughts about linking to screenshots of text on Twitter. And uh, (laughs) it's summed up like this. Taking screenshots of highlighted quotes is a lot less interesting than you think it is. And it's just like 20 of that sentence (laughs) with one of them highlighted. And that that resonated with me. And like all follow-up, that he tweeted that, I think, like the day we recorded. So it was like, where was this six hours ago? And I mean, I, one of the other guys who I usually like what he has to say, just kind of did a confession bear of like, guys, I like pictures of text <laughs> that are highlighted. And I mean, he admitted in his replies, like, yeah, like the Twitter has long needed to fix the accessibility of the images you post on Twitter. You should have some sort of alt text capability. Yeah, anything. Cause right now there's nothing. So e- even if he's still wrong about screenshots of text, <laughs> at least he's willing to admit, yeah, they still need to figure out alt text. Well, and this, I, I, I guess your tweet is your alt text. Yeah. Well, <laughs> depending on how you do it and what the joke is, but this is like, I I admitted during this conversation that the one time I can think of showing a snapshot of text makes sense is if there's no thing to link to. And that's very Pinteresty, right? Like yeah. here's a it's it it looks like a, a hand stitched thing that says, you know, some inspirational quote, and then that's what you're linking to is that quote that would have been slightly too long for a tweet, but there's no like article or blog or whatever yeah. to link to. And uh, you were, I think, very excited to point out to me that my reply to do that took two tweets <laughs> that I ended with the one slash two and two slash two. So that was hypocrisy fallacy. I was like, just because I'm a lying schmuck doesn't mean I can't point out that this is dumb. Uh, yep, that was fun. Um, and I think you actually have something you need to fix, Michael. Yeah, so I mistakenly said that Casey Johnston was the uh, culture editor at ours, which was true, but since we aren't through a time machine into the past, <laughs> is no longer true. She's freelancing. She is freelancing. And she's also writing, which is for something I didn't look up again right before. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but she you were right that she did write for ours. Yeah. So you weren't, 
you you were out of date. You weren't a horrible liar. There you go. And uh, I this I think it's probably been four or five episodes now, but we talked about spoilers, maybe even longer than spoilers that. Spoilers is spoilers. Sp- yes. So spoiler alert. I'm gonna do some follow up on spoilers. And George R. R. Martin, who is he's got to be like Mister Spoiler right now. Like everyone <laughs> wants him to write more books so that they can find out the next thing. Right? Who? What? What new group of people get horribly murdered? If you're not familiar with Game of Thrones, <laughs> just know that every character dies always. <laughs> That's probably don't, don't get attached to anyone. Yeah. And uh, he he came out and said because now so the show is about to diverge from the books, and he agreed with the showrunners like that's fine. Just stick to these general themes. Yeah, he's very much like I write books and they make a TV show, and I kind of just let them do their thing. Yes, well, because at first like season one matched book one, and then I think season two matched book two, but then three and four like split up. The it's next, like what one book is two seasons because they get yeah. bigger and <laughs> yeah, exactly. So they they started to drift a little bit, but now they're going to start writing for stuff where there are no books. And uh, I I just love that George R. R. Martin was like, well, they're different. You see, that's a TV show, <laughs> and these are books, and they're different. Yeah, and and he, it, and he was also just like a big old shrug to spoilers in general. It was just like. Yeah, I mean, that's one reason to enjoy something, but there are many other reasons, and what's the big deal? Yeah, I, I can't remember the specific movie. He, I should try and find it in the article, but um, there's a... Oh, it's Citizen Kane. So, okay, so if you've never seen Citizen Kane, Rosebud is the sled. Boom! <laughs> Did I just blow your mind? So in the beginning, he, you know, he dies, and the last thing he says is Rosebud, and then they spend the whole movie trying to figure out what Rosebud was. Turns out it was the sled that he had when he was a kid. And George R. R. Martin said, I rewatch Citizen Kane every few years because it's an amazing film. Not because I forget that Rosebud was the sled <laughs> and like I need to rediscover it. Yeah. And that's it. And I, I mean, I get into this argument with people still. So they're like, no, but I want to be surprised. And I, I've I've made my peace with respecting that, <laughs> although I completely disagree with it. Like, it's not my business well, to ruin it for the, everyone else. The analogy I'd go, I was thinking about the other day was, yeah, spoilers. I mean, being surprised is one reason to enjoy a film, like I said a minute ago. Um, I think of it sort of like the feeling they get when you, sp- quote, spoil a movie, if it's a movie that can be spoiled. Um is kind of like if someone's telling this great joke at a bar and this this guy runs in and says the punchline before you completely <laughs> set it up and you're just like like yeah it's still a funny joke but you're a douche. <laughs> oh yes. Okay. <laughs> the only reason the shortcoming of that metaphor is there's nothing to the joke but the joke. Whereas like a movie if you know who done it there's still a lot of other things about the movie to enjoy or the book to enjoy. But that's the feeling. But it's yeah. like stealing the punchline. Yeah. No, I, and there are like a movie, like a, a Shyamalan movie that <laughs> specifically has a twist. Like it's written. What the twist? Yeah. It's, it's written to figure out the twist or an old fashioned, like who done it. It's written to figure out who the murderer was. Yeah. That I understand. Or, but or just, to apply the metaphor directly, a comedy where someone already told you all the funny scenes and it's just, they yeah. just have less impact because you're right. like, well, I knew. Yeah, especially a lot of modern comedies are shock humor. Yeah. So if somebody tells you like, oh, in this scene, the guy comes out of his office and he doesn't have pants on, it's like, yeah, it's not going to be very funny now because yeah. 
there's only one scene where he comes out of his office. So as soon as the door opens, I'm going to know he doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I, I, again, I respect <laughs> all this. I just, if, if the media you're taking in is so shallow that it can be so easily, totally burned to the yeah. ground then I'm just like, eh. <laughs> but again, I've, I don't ruin it, especially cause Susan is, she's a big fan of not knowing. Yeah. So this, not ruining this for other people hits very close to home because she would just be pissed at me constantly. <laughs> not worth it. Yeah, not even a little. Uh, so you lied last week about I Windows. Yes, so it turns out we're both liars. Um, yours was an accident. Mine was due to poor research. So the Windows 10 free upgrade, not for enterprises. I said enterprises. I was wrong. Only for consumers. The pirated thing is still true. So if a oh, consumer, yeah, if you have a non-genuine. <laughs> exactly right. So if a, a consumer pirates Windows 7 or 8, they can still get a Windows 10 upgrade for free. But enterprises, I mean, that's the more I thought about it after I read the corrected research, the more I was like, oh, right, because then they would go out of business. <laughs> like, yeah, they haven't completely converted to a services company yet. They still need some of their existing revenue to right. float. Yeah, although the... I, I was thinking about this a little bit and uh, enterprise not known for upgrading lightning fast. Nope. So I kind of wonder if maybe a, a smart middle ground would say like, Hey enterprise, if you upgrade in the first year of windows 10 release, it's half price, you know, yeah. it's just something. To because get there's, I mean, I guess most shops are off XP finally, maybe. I mean, they're so there, totally there beyond. Are some, there's some industries. Yeah. They have special equipment still running. I6. Yeah. <laughs> Terrifying. God. <laughs> Kill myself. Um, so uh, I, I have a long story sort of to get to this, but short story is, is that. Is it a shaggy dog story? Yep. Um, uh, classic PC game Descent is being remade, but I want to kind of say how I found out about this because the Kickstarter happened this month. I haven't thought about Descent in 10 years. Um, so I was, uh, I was on Reddit the other day and I saw a picture of the first Max Payne, which I don't know if you ever played the original Max Payne. Uh, I think that game was new in my rental days. Okay. So I played like a chunk of it. you remember the guy's face, the texture map of his face? Uh, it's like super <laughs> constipated. I mean, just Google Max Payne one and hopefully you get a screenshot of, he just looks like he's like pinching a loaf, right? <laughs> Oh my god! And that was actually one of their developers, and they just used his face to be Max Payne, even though they hired a voice actor and everything else. Um, and so that just—I <laughs> just—I remember the moment because that that game came out right when like the Matrix was taking over everyone's minds of just like holy shit. And uh, you know, famously, their game engine—they showed off a recreation of like the lobby shootout from the Matrix, like cartwheeling oh, and yeah, like yeah. all the bullets and shells hitting the ground, and it was all like the first time a game engine had done slow mo that well and all that stuff. Which the Matrix popularized really modern slow motion techniques itself. Um, that got me all nostalgic for old graphics cards because just like that era of like yeah you got to get a GE force you got to uh, get a a TNT I hated those days you got to get a voodoo too um those were the days where you also <laughs> needed an independent sound card yeah. to do things complicated stuff like stereo <laughs> so that sent me on a you know a YouTube nostalgia journey of all these old trailers and and graphics demonstrations from Nvidia that I used to run and benchmarking programs like 3D Mark and eventually I was like 
hey, I remember Descent. I wonder if they're ever going to make a new Descent. And I went to Wikipedia, and it's like, a week ago, a Kickstarter was launched for a new Descent. And I'm like, what? I love that kind of fortuitous, like, oh, I was just wondering if anybody was going to deliver a sandwich. Oh, here's a sandwich. I, <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Like the exact week I decide to go on the nostalgia journey, they've announced a new. So I back this Kickstarter because, so, I mean, not everyone who listens to this was a classic PC gamer. So to, to summarize Descent, um, it's claim to fame was six degrees of freedom it was kind of a it was a single player but also multiplayer like action shooter but you're like a little mining ship and you can move in addition to forward back strafing or turning you have up and down and rotating so like there's really truly six axes involved in this this game you can but it looked like so i i had never played this game i like knew the title but that was about it and then when I watched the the Kickstarter video, because um, they show a lot of the classic game and then, you know, the new stuff they're working on, and it, it looks like there's no, like, you don't have fuel, you never have to land. So no. it's, it's basically like an FPS with two additional It's a very arcade like, Quake-style. Yeah. Right. But yeah, which yeah. seems really fun. Like, there's interesting ways you can approach enemies and the maps you have to think about you mm-hmm. know, with an additional perspective. And there's kind of the mechanic of one of the fun things in Quake was always the rocket launcher because you had to anticipate where someone was going to land and try to shoot ahead of them. Right, And so it's the, slow. Yeah, a lot of the weapons are you know, kind of slow in descent. So you have to be good at predicting and people can, it's more fun to have a chance to dodge instead of like, you know, you go and call a duty and you just get sniped and you're like, God, (laughs) he'll never even hear the bullet. (laughs) So that's my little nostalgia journey that, you know, through old graphics cards to discover a game I wanted to back. And it's actually the first Kickstarter I've ever backed. Really? Yeah, I ne- I mean I had an account I set up once and I had never actually chipped in on anything yet. That's no no like band that you know made an album or a video. They probably did, but I was like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just surprised. Like I, I would have thought this you'd be like an early adopter who backed lots of projects. I mean, I expect to start doing that a little bit here and there. Yeah, I really uh I, Oh god, is it Roman Mars? Now I feel bad. The guy who does 99% invisible and 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 those other shows. <laughs> okay. He former NPR guy or or he was associated with NPR and now he like started his own thing and I've listened to a couple of his shows and that's why I feel bad I can't think of his name, but he uh, when he started his Kickstarter campaign, he said, "You know, we're trying to get to this certain amount so that we can do this certain thing." And if at, I don't know how many listeners he has, but he said, "If if everybody who listens just donated a dollar, like no one would have to do more than that." And I was like, "That you, there, you just convinced me." So like, I went and pledged a dollar, and then yeah. you know the Kickstarter campaign closed, and I got my little thank you email that says like, "Hey, you know," and here's all the behind the scenes stuff, and I was like, "I don't care." <laughs> <laughs> but it was like it's kind of like uh, when you go to a museum where it's like yeah you can go to the museum for free but there's a little donation box and I just I liked his honesty of like yeah there's higher levels yeah. where you'll get like stuff you know there's like t-shirts so there's uh, like a signed thing from you know the founders or whatever but it was like I don't I just I, here's a dollar I'll keep listening to ads you know they're ad supported and whatever like, here's a dollar thank yeah. you keep making cool stuff. So that's uh, to me. That's like the big thing on Kickstarter. There's only a few products that I've backed at the get the product level, and twice I was seriously or it's just sort of a glorified pre-order instead. Yeah, of- <laughs> yeah, exactly. So once I was I was really disappointed, 
um, that was a, a wallet I got, and they were cool. They let me return it. Um, I actually have a blog post about it, but they, even though I was a Kickstarter backer, they did actually let me return it when it broke and fell into like three separate pieces. And uh, the other one is the Pebble Time, which, I mean, the original Pebble shipped and there were issues, but they followed up and fixed them. So I'm confident for the Pebble Time because they're an established yeah. thing. When is that release? Supposedly, they're going to start shipping in May. Um, right. They're going to adhere to backer order and i'm in like the 60 or 70 thousands yeah so if i have mine by the end of june i'll be pretty happy because they're going to do back order but they're also going to do america first because domestic shipping is just because we're the best nation in the world yeah. <laughs> it's just so much the logistics you know you just throw money at ups or fedex and like take these out of my factory yeah so yeah, I'm excited. I, I'm a little irritated because, like an idiot, I, I backed it, and then I was like, yeah! And then I looked at the shipment date, and I was like, I don't know what I expected. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we got a couple fun items here before we dive into some deep topics, and one that I'm pleased to introduce <laughs> is uh, um, in the grand tradition of hilariously failed DIY projects. We have an easy cheese 3D printer. What about this is a failure? <laughs> <laughs> I, I guess I can't really argue against it being a, a, its own form of win. Um, you got to watch this video in our show notes of a uh, a rigged up cheese. You know, like the the crappy fridge cheese you squirt onto. Like I don't know who buys che- that cheese. Is it Cheese Whiz? It's basically Cheese Whiz. Yeah. Um, someone hooked it up to a 3D printer arm and are basically letting seeing what happens when it tries to create 3D prints of things with cheese. To me, the amazing part about this video is it's very... I mean, I'm sure they edited it to look this way, but it, it feels very raw. Like you're watching the guy build it because one of the first times the arm moves into place, the mechanism that's there to depress the aerosol can part the nozzle i guess and make the cheese come out it just falls off and then it just smash cuts to like attempt number two (laughs) like moves into place and the arm goes to push the nozzle and then the cheese actually comes out and like he he builds like a little cheese log cabin like you know like a square on top of a square yeah (laughs) he draws but then it just starts smearing it (laughs) around yeah because he didn't the z-axis wasn't moving deep enough like it (laughs) It's very much like you're watching him do it, but without all the boredom of the slow stuff in between yeah. the hilarious failures. <laughs> and uh, it just reminded me of one of my favorite YouTube videos of all time was uh, Heinz did a commercial contest where people would create like a tagline and like a little funny commercial for Heinz. And someone decided to make an automatic Heinz dispenser. <laughs> and the video, if you've never seen this, get ready to cry laughing or you'll just be a humorless husk and <laughs> not be funny. But uh, I just, there's so many things to love about this video, including its horrible production value. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah, it does look like it was shot on like a Kodak. But you know, camera. you see this giant ketchup bottle with these green muscle arms that rotate around and spin. They're very muscular. <laughs> and it's just like the arm spin and then it rolls forward <laughs> to a plate with a hamburger on it. And then it just squirts way too much ketchup. It's just like puking ketchup. And like, even after it's kind of done it keeps squirting more out <laughs> I'm, I'm trying so hard not to laugh but I have it playing and then the best one of the best parts is a human arm comes in to actually put the top bun on the burger because you can't automate that of course 
And then, just when you think it's already funny enough, the camera pans down to a tiny hot dog. (laughs) Yeah, because the first one is a normal hot dog, but this giant bottle of ketchup. (laughs) And then there's a little tiny hot dog with a normal-sized bottle of ketchup. And it's... uh, it just sprays everywhere. Well, it just it, it, it zooms, and I'm thinking they have three videos. The second one, I think, is the the golden one I've included that, in the that, show notes. Yeah, with the, the hand. And uh, the second one rolls forward and falls on its <laughs> face and then is squirting straight up because I think they intended it to spin around. Anyway, I know we're just describing a video, but it's that good. <laughs> yeah, the the easy cheat, because I, I feel the same way about this Heinz video. Like, it's it's short it's funny it's there's no like fluff there's no three minute intro of like hey guys i'm really excited to show you my video and check out my blog and yeah. you know catch up robots.com like it's it's just super short and to the point and the i wouldn't be surprised if the easy cheese one was like the same people it's like the spiritual <laughs> successor so definitely if if you just pause the show right now go watch both of those and come back. It'll be our version of like a two drink minimum for a comedy show. <laughs> yep. Uh, I, just, I, can't, I have to. It, I have to close yeah. it. It's too. We have to cleanse the palate after that <laughs> one. Um, website makers. No, that sounded like I was starting an ad. Yeah. Um, there's this new service where some guy will get drunk and then try to use your website. And he also happens to have a background in, in user experience and in, in UI design, so he can give you expert feedback. But he will he will go through your website drunk. So this is a, a new service called The User is Drunk. And you can pay him a couple hundred bucks. And that's the whole gimmick, that he will get drunk and try to use your website. I mean, the whole conceit of it is drunk pizza. Your website should be so stupid easy to use that a drunk person could figure it out. Yeah, which, I mean, obviously under extremes i think this starts to fall apart but the core of what it's getting at which is your website should be simple to use that i really like and it's it's also kind of funny like yeah. it's just there's the, the the entire website is just some text the the button to sign up and then a guy just a sitting there background image of yeah but you can tell he's like his hands are cupped in front of his <laughs> face and he's like kind of laughing and it's like you it's are you drunk in this photo like, did he, you make your website while drunk and he's got the the now cliche MacBook with a hundred web tool stickers on it oh yeah no if he's not a legit developer he certainly put on the developer outfit to, to look yeah. the part like he's in front of a brick wall with an exposed pipe he's on a couch he probably got on craigslist because it's like a 90s style puffy leather couch like this is everything looks exactly as it should there's like a million framework stickers on his laptop and i do love that his uh his gmail address for this this business is richard dot is dot drunk Yep. which is somehow way funnier than if he had like Richard at the user is drunk, like Richard dot is dot drunk is, yeah. is even more appropriate. So have you seen, and I'm going to, hopefully this doesn't earn us an explicit rating. Cause I'm, this is a proper noun. I'm just naming a website, but there is a similar website called motherfucking website.com. And the point of this website, which I recommend you check out, is satire about what a good website design should be like. And if you look at this and you know anything about web design, you will realize that these are just all default uh, styles. 
Mm-hmm. I was going to say shadows because I was looking at the word box shadow. He doesn't. I'm looking at the source. There's no style sheet for this website. Yeah, there's nothing. It's just it's Times New Roman default header sizes, default paragraph sizes, default line length, everything. And it looks terrible, but <laughs> you can read everything. It's really obvious how it's organized. I mean, it's like surfing the web in 1995, like you, except the the gray background used to be standard. But <laughs> yeah, sure. Which was yeah. <laughs> But there, so there's, you know, there's nice headers about like it's lightweight and it's responsive and lots of cursing. So I obviously, I can't read too much of this because we will get in trouble on iTunes. But yeah. this, uh, the second to last header is my favorite. This is a website. Look at it. You've never seen one before. <laughs> it's because like most websites are just, they're huge graphics, they're crazy flash whooshy whooshy animations, and it's just a lot of, fluff yeah. to mask that there's no stuff. And he kind of comes clean at the end. He's like, I'm not actually saying your your shitty site should look <laughs> like this. What I'm saying is that all the problems we have with websites are ones we create ourselves. Websites aren't broken by default. We break them. Or he says, you break them, you son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but this, I think between the recommendations on this website then you build something, you ship that off to the users drunk.com and then you'll know. Yep. And you'll know you did everything in your power to make it accessible so so much so even a drunk person could use it. Good stuff. If you had the, just if you had the money like are you not tempted to just be like here's my blog go check yeah. it out. <laughs> Though I I mean even with our Sunrise Robot website I think we have some things we want to do before we <laughs> we there's already things we know we need to do. <laughs> Which I think that's he unvo- th- that kind of the satire is so strong that that tricks him out of a sale is instead yeah. of just being like, oh, ha, ha, here's money. Go check out my website. It's like, I don't want this drunk guy to write me an angry email. I should fix my website. Did you see he actually raised his prices and he said the reason is not because he's a dick, but because he's trying to limit the number of requests he gets. He wants to manage his work queue. <laughs> well, that, do you remember the glitter thing? Uh huh. Okay, I don't think we ever talked about this on the show. Oh, the shipping glitter to people? Yeah. Do you know why that guy shut that down? Everyone wanted to do it. (laughs) And he he said he... He's like, I'm too successful, guys. I got to quit. Well, he was like, this doesn't work at scale. He was like, I have to literally put glitter into all these envelopes, then close them and address them and ship them. (laughs) He was like, this does not work at scale. That's when you raise prices so that your demand goes down, but... Well, and this is where you start to wonder if he knew exactly what he was doing, because then what he immediately did was like, I'll sell you this business for $15,000 because it's got all these orders in the queue and I don't want to fill them. Yeah. So it's like, did you know you want my customers? Cause I want a paycheck. Yeah. The unfortunate thing is his idea was completely un uh, like copyrightable and yeah. the, the copycats sprung up immediately. Yeah. There was like mail your enemies glitter, I think was the original one or ship your enemies glitter. And then it was like, you know, send glitter to your enemies and then glitter your enemies and glitter bomb and like all these obvious same thing. Yep. I still want to try this. I'm going to have to, I need to find someone with a good website who has like a, marketing and design budget and be like, hey, you should go and try this service out. Be careful who you send the, the herpes of craft supplies to. <laughs> not, not that one. I mean the user is drunk. Oh, okay. No, no. The glitter thing, that is funny only in concept. I, there's no one I hate so much 
that I would do that to them. So tell me about this crazy smart software that shows like the Daily Show use. So I always wondered how a show like the Daily Show, which films four days a week, uh, Monday through Thursday, like 45 weeks a year. So, I mean, more often than not, they do something like 200 shows a year. And if if you've never watched the Daily Show, one, you're missing out. But two, they are more up to date on recent events than a lot of news shows. And I always wondered how do they get these clips from like Fox News for them to satire? How do they get yeah, these clips? Someone from- just sitting there all day, like a yeah. team. Like, sorry, dude, you get Fox today. You just have to watch it yeah, all day. And, and again, you would think this is something that does not scale. Like a human just has to sit there and watch literally an entire day of DVR'd Fox News. But then also CNN and, and MSNBC. And then be able to recall, and- like, oh, we decided to joke about this topic. What happened on Fox today? Like a human that sat there is going to remember exactly. Right. Well, I think at some point they said something about Obamacare. I don't know. Yeah. And then it's like, well, when? Was it in well, hour 10 or hour again. 23? Yeah. So it turns out there's this company that makes an honest to God search appliance called Snapstream. And it's it basically, it looks like a server. I mean, it's kind of what it is. It's like a big DVR. And you can either buy this thing for like 10 grand or you can pay them to do it in the cloud. And what it does is it DVRs whatever you tell it to DVR and then it timestamps it using the closed captions, which is like a childishly simple solution. I love it because then you can search what we think of as audio and video but it because by law it has to have these closed captions. Yeah, they can't like no channel can really opt out of this product being useful because you know if they don't want to be indexed because they'd have to get sued by the government for yeah. ending closed captioning. Yeah, I think even private stuff like HBO still has to close caption because I, I don't is it 508? I know it's 508 in academia. I don't know. But anyway, there there are government regulations about accessibility that's why there's ramps to get into public buildings yeah. and, and all those kinds of things and this someone just realized that they could seize on that and and write some software that may be complicated but it it's doing a very simple thing it just links up timestamps with what it finds in the closed caption so if you're searching for the term obamacare like you said it will just show you like okay on fox they said that at this time and this time and this time and this time and these all these times every single minute yeah pretty much <laughs> maybe that wouldn't be a good search on fox also freedom Yikes. and patriotism <laughs> <laughs> but that like that's how the daily show does it that's how the colbert report did it that's how last week tonight does it and i mean that's for them that's a very small piece of the the total pie because once they have those clips, they still have to write the jokes. They still have to do the bits. They still have to make it entertaining, but otherwise there would just be so much ditch digging up front. Well, and one of the things that daily shows always really good at exposing is the clear talking point that's been spread around to all the stupid idiots at every single news network that is keep parroting the same, whatever the rhetoric of the day is, the yeah. controversy of the day. And they just make it really obvious because they can close captioning, find these phrases everywhere, yep. and then assemble a mega clip of idiots saying the same stupid thing one after another. Yeah, <laughs> especially when it's um, 
like a, a branding thing like snowmageddon or snowpocalypse yeah. <laughs> and it, or like when benghazi was in the news like all you had to do like that would no one would talk about that story without saying benghazi so if you wanted to find stories where people were talking about it you just had to find the word benghazi yeah and you would get all the hits just all the hits and it's and they're, they're good at like the here's 10 in a row of the same weirdly absurd thing and then the one guy that says something completely insane at the end <laughs> so that you can cut back to Stuart just looking like <laughs> wait what <laughs> well and, and you can tell I mean particularly the Daily Show but I think last week tonight has kind of inherited the same uh, product quality I guess you know since yeah. John Oliver worked with John Stewart for so long but I don't think if you ever found the clips from the daily show and watched the surrounding material, I don't think you would ever say like, Oh, well, he took that out of context. I think they're very careful about that because if you're just looking for like the word Obamacare or the word Benghazi or whatever, and you're trying to seize in on like, um, controversy, there's a really good chance that on one station, it's likely to be controversy and on another station, it's likely to be pro that thing mm -hmm. because, Different news stations have different political leanings. So, like, I think they probably still do watch as much surrounding material as necessary to be sure they have the right context. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm not to get into a, a news politics thing, but I, I wonder what you think about this. But I kind of wish there was a little less of the fake posturing of unbiasedness in the news and a little more just own your position and wear your bias on your sleeve and then let us see your argument on its merits. And instead of this, like, we're totally impartial and here's two equal and opposite sides of a controversy. And so yeah. it'd be like, no, that guy's an idiot. Yeah. And this side <laughs> has the evidence and let's have a fair minded, like evaluation of this. Yeah. I think, uh, I think one, I agree with you completely because to say you're completely fair and balanced, well, <laughs> Okay, so that I'm not meaning to directly slam Fox. There are liberal leaning news stations that are just as guilty of this. But to say you're completely impartial is one like damn near impossible. So you're you're almost automatically lying out of the no, gate. No, everyone has a frame and a lens they're looking through. Exactly. And two, um and I don't I, I heard this somewhere who originally came up with the like two sides to every story thing. And like popularized it, so they're basically to blame because saying like there's two sides to every story and we examine both is categorically false. There are not two sides to every story. There's infinite sides to yeah. every story. Like there's and they, I mean, yeah, these news organizations are never really committed to properly exploring these sides and maybe ranking them. Like this is a very plausible side to the story. This is a very impossible side. Right. And Instead, that's, it's like, actually, the news organizations almost always have one story, and then they yeah, and sock actually, puppet one other one. I, I, I would prefer if they did exactly what you said, and they were just like, this is our opinion on this. Like, here are the facts. And then yeah. even if they're only kind of like when the New York Times has like the, their editorial stance, like they yeah. kind of have an official yeah, yeah. paper position on something. Right. Because... And I think Bill Nye recently kind of made this obvious again is <laughs> to say there are two sides to every story and we're going to give equal time to both implies that both are equally valid. And there's a whole lot of times where that's not true. Um, 
uh, actually John Oliver on last week tonight did a thing about climate change <laughs> in response to Bill Nye's debate with Ken Ham. And he said, like, instead of one climate change Was denier, there another debate between them? Ken Ham and Bill Nye? Yeah. No, just the creation one. Oh, okay. But it, a lot of that, you know, it spurns out right, into... Right. Bill Nye's very good about, like, sticking to the rhetoric. Um, he often guest hosts on Star Talk, and he, like... You can tell his mission in life is to accomplish these goals and it, and their goals I agree with. So I don't know how you could possibly disagree <laughs> with them unless you're like an oil tycoon, but whatever. Um, but he, uh, so John Oliver said to make this a fair discussion between people who are pro climate change is exists and is a real thing. And people who aren't, we're going to have, <laughs> Oh, this was, yeah, like a yeah, year ago or yeah, something. Yeah. It was, it was recent ish. He's like, great. we're going to have these two people who are climate change deniers and then, 98 scientists <laughs> they just, fill, they the just room. fill the studio and they all start like shouting at once <laughs> and then the climate change deniers are trying to respond and uh john oliver's like i'm sorry i can't hear you over the overwhelming scientific evidence that you're wrong and i was just like yeah that i mean it's funny but that's why a news show will never truly be impartial because you can't do that. Even if there are only two sides, pro and con, you can't accurately represent them. You just have one pro, one con. Even if a million to one are on the pro side, yeah. you can't have that. You just can't. Like, So just admit that you're biased. Try and back it up with facts and reason argument and move on with your life. <laughs> <laughs> that's never going to happen because that's not what makes money. It's not. And before we get off this on the next thing, I did actually want to ask you um, – is there anything because I, I thought this the search thing on Daily Show was interesting, not just because it was like, oh, behind the curtains inside baseball, but also like it reminded me that there's so many things we still can't search. Yeah. Like so the the quintessential example is I want to be able to like ask, okay, Google, where are my keys? And I think the flip side to that is I realized if every single thing, physical thing in my house was searchable, it would have to be index somehow which would mean every physical object i own would be known yeah. to some other entity which is a little eh. yeah i mean i think we're gonna get there in the next decade but yeah <laughs> or at least pretty far along with that i mean like is there any search that would like music would benefit from like do you think it'd be cool if you could take your microphone on your phone and like hum a chorus and it would like jump to that part of the chorus in that song i would never do that probably no, nothing like that is anything like would you i mean i could see if you're a remix artist and you wanted to be able to search for every song that used this chord at a similar speed and you'd be able to have like oh here's huh. a million options to grab a segment of audio that's like this and i mean are, are similar is, kinds is there of anything things. like that now because I know there's like Shazam and and for recognizing songs, songs yeah. that are playing, but no, I not that I'm aware of. But I also am not deep into the the remix culture, so I don't know what not tools. for music. No. <laughs> so is there anything you want like that's not indexed and searchable that would like obviously benefit you? I'd have to think about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe you should have. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I, I think the physical object stuff is maybe not everything, but. Anything large enough I to mean, put like an RFID tag in. Even image searching is still kind of janky. Could get a lot better. Deep, well, deep inside of image searching. And I feel like a lot of images uh, searches are still heavily metadata based. 
Yeah. What's the file name? You know, what tags does it have? We can do some cool stuff like colors. You can see colors really well. I guess what I'd like is better augmented reality connections to data we have. Like I want to sort of the dream, and there's a little bit of this going on, but like, you know, you are in a certain location and you can pull up, not just like, oh, there's restaurants nearby, (laughs) but like literally you point your camera on your phone or, you know, your screen and you can see overlaid or a Google Glass type thing, but like that. Did you ever use Google Goggles? Yeah, I played around with it. Sort of that concept, but like not weaponized, but (laughs) (laughs) energized into being really useful of like, whoa, I can like see everything that ever happened at this spot. Oh, so you want like fourth dimensional <laughs> like recording of a location, which yeah, means we need cameras everywhere. With all the right metadata and, and search, like maybe this this Daily Show type technology to be like, who, I don't know, it gets a little creepy real fast of like what conversations yeah. have been had here. But I could see some interesting fun being had with like who played a guitar here over the past 10 years. <laughs> That would be creepy really fast. I mean, neat. Like, a lot of creepy things are also neat. Yeah. See, what I want, like, if restaurants would stop putting their freaking menus into PDFs, I think it'd be really handy instead of being able to say, like, okay, Siri, where's a burger joint nearby? Or, you know, okay, Google, directions to the closest tap room. Like, I think it'd be neat to be able to say, like, I want a woodchuck Granny Smith. Send me to the nearest place that has that on tap. Not in bottles. I want it on tap. Yeah, you know, or like I want a. We have like a lot of bison burger places out here in Colorado. Like I want a bison burger. Send me to a place that will sell me a quarter pounder bison burger. Mm-hmm. You know, like a lunch size. Like because then it's like I don't want to go to a specific restaurant. I want a specific thing. I'm going to that restaurant to get a, yeah. a certain objective. Or you're in the the olive oil aisle and you want Newman's brand and yeah. you just want it to be highlighted through your glasses. Like oh, it's oh, there it right is. here. Yeah, yeah. The Terminator vision where yeah. like outlines the bottle. Yeah. And so okay, then that brings me to the the ultimate extension of that is if the goal is I'm trying to get a specific thing with the least amount of cruft possible which is what search is all about right but in the case of like shopping should i just not should it be library of congress style where i don't go into the stacks they just bring me what i ask for that's true because the store that's a disadvantage to the store because then i can never say like oh i'll bake a loaf oh, of bread I this weekend to, i had to walk by everything else to get the milk exactly which, you know, I've heard from people in the, the grocery industry, there are some people who deny, like, no, we don't put the milk in the back of the store because you have to walk through the whole store. We put the milk in the back of the store because that's where the refrigeration is. And you have to walk all the way through this. <laughs> I, yeah, I think it'd be hard to deny that there's a fringe benefit, even if the real purpose is because centralized refrigeration. Yeah, well, what's in the back of the store? Meat. And milk. Dairy. Yeah. What are things that, well, I mean, I know some people are trying to avoid those things now in their diets, but I really don't think it's mainstream still. I still no. think everyone buys meat and dairy. Yeah, those are in the back. Yeah. Well, even if it's like, oh, well, I don't drink milk regularly, but I do eat ice cream. Or, oh, I don't eat pork and beef, <laughs> but, but, I I, I, but I do eat chicken. Well, because it's, you know, it's a special occasion, Mike. Every, I, every night as you cry. <laughs> <laughs> Scraping the bottom of the tin. Yeah, I think this uh, the Daily Show thing is interesting, chiefly just because it made me think about, like, I'm looking around my, my house while I'm listening to this, and I was like, wow, there's 
a lot of things that I still have to just remember where they are. And I try really hard. Like when I get home and I take out my headphones, I try to put them in the same spot so that I never have to delete that cache and load a new (laughs) memory of like where my headphones are. And when I say try, I mean, I fail probably about half the time. Because sometimes, like, it was raining, so I have my umbrella in my hand, yeah, so my headphones go somewhere else. My keys always go in yeah, the same spot. Keys, keys and wallet. Enough that when I, the, like, one in a million time I put my keys somewhere else, it's disturbing. It's like Panic. an existential crisis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, the, the keys and wallet, like, if you, I, my wallet's on my nightstand, and if I look and it's not there... I subconsciously like brush my hand across my pocket and it's not in my pocket. I'm like, (laughs) (laughs) the world is crumbling around me. Yeah. And I'm wondering how that like getting a smartwatch might affect that with the phone. Like, will the phone now have a dedicated spot when I get home and I will probably not even pick it up hardly at all. Hmm. And see devices, as long as they have battery issues, it'll always be close to a wall. Yeah, it's like, oh, where's my phone? Is it on the nightstand, but which is I, close to wall? If I know I can get notifications and I'll have actual computing devices around ready to use, will I just plug my phone in and be like, watching laptops? All I need. I hope so. That'd be nice. That, that's when I'm at home. I don't want my phone to have to be within arm's reach. Yeah, I kind of. It's this weird, like, little familiar that has to hover around you all the time, and you're like, ah, oh, it's across the room. <laughs> Son of a bitch. <laughs> See, when I was a kid, I spent a whole lot of time on the phone. Like, I would, you know, my bobby socks were rolled up, and I would twirl my ponytail, and me and my girlfriend Interesting. would talk about, you know, cheerleading practice that were day. Were you also the mascot for Wendy's? <laughs> yes, indeed I was. Um, but we only had one cordless phone in the house, and it was in the kitchen. I had a phone in my room, but it was, and like, I mean, rotary dial, like, legit old school phone. So the phone rang. I had to like, if I knew it was for me, like <laughs> I had to jump up and run to the middle yeah. of the house where the cordless phone was. And every once in a while, my phone will be like on the kitchen table and I'm in my living room, which is on a different floor. And then I'll hear my phone, which I don't get a lot of phone calls now. And I'm like, oh, and I have to like run. But <laughs> when I was a kid, it was like, oh, there's a phone call. And now I'm like, God damn it. There's a phone call. The lion's residence. David yeah, speaking exactly. Like all the etiquette they used to have to go uh, into shared phone line. So much. And I mean, this. I mean, I had one sister. So the second um, we had a cordless phone, guess where the phone never was? Mm-hmm. <laughs> where it should be. Yep. <laughs> it's always buried in the couch or in someone's bedroom. Or <laughs> man, those batteries lasted though. Yeah, <laughs> you got a lot of talk time. A week or something. <laughs> uh, so speaking it's of a good segue, it is a good segue. Connected devices, yeah. So this company Neptune, did you get a chance to look at all their their crazy? Because they I have this huge. It. Yeah, was, they have this very big vision for the future of an ecosystem of devices. Yeah. So the the Neptune <laughs> suite is uh, this company's vision for how things are going to be eventually. Um, the Wired article is pretty generous. They say twenty twenty five. I don't think Neptune would like to think of it that way since their product comes out next year. (laughs) But they did. So let me give you a quick synopsis. So the Neptune suite is a smart band. Like it's big. It's like the size of a bracelet, not a, or like a cuff, not, not as small as a watch. And then that's where all the brains are. 
and then you carry a around smart bangle. <laughs> yes, exactly. It's a Pip Boy. So you, you carry around in addition to this smart band, um, what they call a pocket screen, which is like the size of a smartphone, but it's dumb. All it has is battery and a screen, and it can receive wireless, you yeah. know, uh, uh, video. And then there's also a um, tablet size screen, also dumb, no brains, can connect to a keyboard. So now you have a laptop size dumb device. And there's like a little Chromecast size dongle that you can just cram into the HDMI port of a monitor and then cast to that. Also dumb. Also just dumb received. So the idea of this is very sci-fi in a good way. Yeah. Right. It's like, I have this thing on my wrist that I'm never going to put down, so I'll never lose it. It's, you know, attached, but I can use any kind of interface. If I need a keyboard, I got a keyboard. If I need something in my pocket, I got that. If I need a television, cause I'm going to watch Netflix, I got that. That being said, there is no way the battery in this thing <laughs> can possibly be appropriate. It's always limiting us. Cause it's, it's got, a 3G radio, a 4G radio, a Wi-Fi radio. Why even bother radio. with a 3G radio? I think 3G, 4G is like one chip now. Okay. But it, it's the point is it's looking for those towers, which sucks battery. Yeah. It's got Bluetooth, and it's got, I think it's pronounced Ygig, and that's the protocol that this wireless high-speed video is done over so that the casting to other screens is actually useful. Has low enough latency to not piss you off. Yeah, the uh, Neptune calls it imperceptible latency. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so so at least Wii U tablet. Yeah, because yeah, it's a direct connection. It's not going out to the internet. It's not doing any craziness. It doesn't have the quality of service your local <laughs> network. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, so in principle, this sounds amazing. And their little marketing video is convincing. Is it like... Is it like- I don't know, I feel like Microsoft put out a video a few years ago of like the future and it was everything I hate about like future videos. It's like you're not announcing a product and you're not even showing us your research. You're just you just made a Hollywood video of like what the sci-fi future is. Yeah. So this is um halfway between that and like an Apple promo because it's just against like a neutral background. It's a real person's wrist with a real thing on their wrist, but then there's a lot of floaty tablet screens and stuff. <laughs> I'm 99% sure all the interface is totally mocked up afterwards. Um, so it's like there's part of me that just says like, well, I don't – I thought I wanted this, but what I really want is for any device I walk up to, to I can just log in. Yeah. I mean this is like the Chromebook solution. Like, oh, you logged into Chrome? Here's everything ever. Yeah. Here's all your stuff. But then on the other hand, it's like, well, that means I'm relying on the world to provide interfaces for me. With the Neptune suite, it's like, well, you're carrying around at least one interface because you have the band and then probably like the pocket screen or the tablet yeah. or whatever. So the interesting debate for me here is where do the brains live? And I know um, some of it's going to live in the cloud, but you need, it seems like for at least the time being, we need one brain locally Mm -hmm. and so is your brain a box in your house is it your smartphone which i think might be a compelling spot for your personal network or you know where's in neptune where's the brain it's in the band it's in the band the entire it the way they explain it is all of the power of like a middle range smartphone today is in the band the battery life is in there the 
processors in there. The radios are in there. You can make phone calls from it. If you're going to have one part of their suite with you all the time, it's just the band. Okay. I, I just wonder if that may, I don't know enough if, if the tech will advance enough that that's feasible with battery life. Maybe, maybe I'll be surprised, but battery is always the, the problem. Um, well, their argument is because the screen on the band is very small and I mean, it's not diminutive, but it's, it's small and it's not meant to be used the way you use your phone. The battery in the band can last for a long time. Then if you want a larger screen, you have the pocket screen or the tablet yeah. screen, which have very large batteries because they don't have any brains in them, yeah. and they'll last for a long time. I still imagine that the, the one device everyone's going to be willing to carry around is still kind of going to be the smartphone. But maybe, maybe, maybe I'm wrong, and maybe watches and smart arm bands and pendants. You said they had the necklace component. They do. So part of the suite is, and I'm so excited. I've been waiting for this. I didn't want to interrupt your thought, but they, uh, they have, and this is actually clever. It's a necklace thing that you can wear around your neck. I think it has two small magnets in it to keep it together. But what it really is, is wireless earbuds. But what it really secretly is, is a portable charging cable. Huh. So kind of like uh, on your Pebble, it's got the little exposed contacts. The smart necklace, the Neptune earrings, whatever they are, <laughs> um, it's got the little exposed contacts. And this is where they start to get like nutty bananas to me because you say you're walking around and your your bracelet is starting to die, but you haven't been using your tablet all day. You can plug the tablet into the bracelet and they'll charge. Like, it'll send power from the device with more power into the bracelet. Is this USB-C or, uh, or just similar technology where you can bi-directional power? Or? Yeah, I don't know what the protocol is. I just know that it has, like, those exposed gold-looking contacts, like the four circles. Um, of the apocalypse. Yeah, exactly <laughs> right. But so, I mean, there's a lot of really good ideas here. Yeah. And now... Now we, this is the part where we say they're going to fail anyway. <laughs> no, the problem is they've actually shipped one product before. They shipped a product uh, last year. Let me see. Um, yeah, last year uh, called the Neptune Pine. And it's basically a half-size smartphone that you wear on your wrist. And that's not an exaggeration. The thing is freaking giant. Whoa, that is a pit boy right yeah. there. And it even has three hardware buttons like old Android phones had because that's around the time this was being designed. So not only is the screen gigantic, but then it has a huge bezel. to. A- <laughs> <laughs> this looks like you're in, I don't know what reference to make, but like Mario 3 where you're in the world where there's giant pipes and giant Goombas <laughs> and giant watches <laughs> this is like you know like the as seen on tv novelty size tv remote that's like yeah. the size of a pizza or something or <laughs> yeah and it's it's a little on the heavy side for a watch it's 3.4 ounces <laughs> i don't know anyone besides nerds and even them joking that would wear this thing yeah and then on top of it if you look down uh, on in this article a little bit there's a really good side view um, this thing's 15 millimeters thick, <laughs> which to put that in perspective, if you have a laptop you bought in the last two years, that's not a gaming laptop. It's like half an inch or something. Yeah. 
So, like, our MacBook Airs, I think, are 12 millimeters thick. It's 0.6 inches thick. Yeah. So, this thing is, it's really big. It's really, really big. And here's the the real problem. You would think, okay, they have all that size. They have plenty of room to pack in guts. And they kind of didn't. <laughs> There's two cameras. They both suck. The guy Why actually, he like, bother? I don't know. He le- well, because the idea is that this device, the the Pine, is Does it take three D pictures. Why are there two cameras, front facing and side facing? Because <laughs> the, the this is supposed to stand in for a phone. Like you, you make calls on this Dick Tracy style. It's got a SIM card slot and everything. Like this is a wrist phone, so it's got to have room for all the radios. It's got to have room for a processor that can drive Android four one, which is what I think they shipped with. Like this is. This is crazy town. Like this is absolutely so ugly. Yeah. And I, I would accept the ugliness if it was like super powerful. If it had some use case that was uniquely suited to its weird form factor. Yeah. And uh, this article is it's it's a little dated now since this device came out uh, over a year ago. But um, the guy Mario, oh I, I'm not even going to try to pronounce that because I would butcher it. Um, the the guy on uh, Gizmodo writing the article he he said like. He had a reason to take it off because he was going to try and go a few weeks with it. He had a reason to take it off. And then he just realized like four days later, he was like, oh, I haven't worn it. (laughs) Yeah. It was like, that's how useless it is. It's like, I didn't even realize it was just laying on my nightstand. Yeah. So Uh. this is my real problem with Neptune is I agree with their ideas, but their track record is, I mean, they shipped something. This this was a Kickstarter. The Neptune suite was also a Kickstarter. So they, they do deliver but you'd probably be better off just stra- strapping an actual phone to your wrist. Yeah, you'd have a nicer screen for one <laughs> and a better camera. I guess you'd have a, a permanent wrist camera, though. Um. Well, that's true. <laughs> the be like just all vines of just your wrist. <laughs> you gotta check out my wrist. Yeah, and I think the other. I mean, I everyone likes the good underdog story, but I think they they even if they have the right ideas. What is going to stop Google and Apple from eating their lunch on the connected ecosystem? Oh, for sure. Well, not so much Apple on connected <laughs> stuff, but Google. <laughs> so the the more I think about this, the more I realize I don't think either extreme is the right way to solve this. I don't think carrying all my data on some kind of device, no matter how compact, is good. And I don't think living entirely in the cloud is good because... There's obvious drawbacks to both of those. So what I've decided I want right now, and some crazy thing will change my mind next week, but what I want right now is both. I want as much guts and power and storage as can be crammed into a device I decide is acceptably large to carry, and then I'll carry that, but then I also want super fast network to connect me to other stuff. Because no matter how powerful my smartphone is, it's never going to be as powerful as a Walmart-sized building filled with servers. Yeah. I mean, it's just physics. It can't be. So I want both. Like, I want to carry around as much as is makes sense yeah. to carry around. And then I also want access to this network stuff. And I mean, even though it's, it's vanishingly often that this happens, you are going to be out of the network sometimes. So you do want something local. But then most of the time, the network's great. Yeah. Well, and, I mean, we're getting to a point where, like, even gaming can happen over a network sometimes where they stream high-res graphics and we stream HD movies and all like that, and that's awesome, but... And I love that model that Valve is starting to put together of, like, yeah, I'll have some box in a closet that 
powers my games, but I don't want that sitting next to my TV worrying loudly mm. with a fan. And I'll just have a, a super fast local network that'll stream. And I mean, will homes start being built with like, yeah, they're, you know, I'm, I'm thinking of the X-Files episode where there was a, a an AI running the building. And of course, it's just starting to kill people and stuff and be creepy. <laughs> of course. But that aside, um, yeah, just like, yeah, I put up this big brain in my house. And then it's just, I guess that's the thing we'll figure out with the market and what makes sense technologically. Where is the brain? Right. Well, I think it will, I think we're going to move away because we were just talking with somebody else about like client server model. And most computers in the modern era have been able to function as servers. They just typically don't. Yeah. But if you've ever played like a 90s era, like Diablo or, or, uh, like Jedi Outcast, I talk about a lot. Like you may have been running that server on your machine. Other people were actually connecting to your Packard Bell yeah, 486. Peer to peer. Yeah, exactly. So you were acting as a server in that instance. So I think we're probably, if it hasn't already been completely crushed, we're near the very end of the concept of client server having strict as roles. being like a canonical set in stone thing. Right. I think so it's, it's like contextual. Some, yeah, I'm client for this, but I'm server for that. And for this, I do both depending on what I'm, what activity I'm doing. So and then I think we're going to see a lot more like homogenizing of brains in our devices and homogenizing of roles in like remote devices. So like I connect to my PlayStation can't you do like the you can stream games to the Vita from the yep. PS4? Yeah, so when I'm away, my PS4 is acting as a server because I'm you know my Vita is the client, but then when I'm home, it's the client because I'm using it to interact with a game or something yeah. or maybe stream a service. And I mean, Sony sells an eighty dollar Vita non portable. It's PlayStation TV is what they call it. Yeah, but it's running the Vita OS, and it, you can stream from your. You buy a big PlayStation, put it in your living room, buy your nice big TV, but you also have a smaller TV in your bedroom, and sometimes you like to game in there. Right. Well, uh, I don't feel well. I buy this eighty dollar Vita TV and stream your other PlayStation to this TV. Right. It's, yeah, it, because it, it's stupid to have two. It's like, oh, well, I'll just have a PlayStation in each room. It's like, yeah. one, that's a giant waste of money, and two, that doesn't actually solve the problem because now all your saves are over there instead yeah. of over here, and you got to have... We, PlayStation Plus if yeah, you want a cloud sync. Yeah, it's not, not good. So I, I like the idea of putting brains in storage where they can be most effective, and sometimes that does mean in my pocket. Sometimes yeah. I want my phone... To be able to do the thing, and I locally. think we've we've always had the brains of varying power increasing over time. What we haven't had is good enough networks that are ubiquitous enough to have the dumb screens everywhere. Right, and I don't think we'll ever get there because I think the minute someone gives away, like the thin clients, like if you're used to using a 486 back in the day. And then your boss comes in and is like, we're going to pull all these local terminals out and give everybody thin clients. And then your performance immediately degrades. You're like, I, what did I gain? Yeah. Like a minute ago, I had access to a Windows 95 desktop and it was fine. And now I still have access to a Windows 95 desktop, but it sucks. Yeah. So it's like from the end user's point of view, it's like I benefited in zero <laughs> ways from this. So I think there's always going to, I think we always knew distributed brains was the right thing, but there was like this promise of like centralized servers and I just don't think it's ever going to happen. Yeah. yeah. 
So our last topic for the day to, to close us out is uh, this kind of new phenomenon of instant live streaming. If uh, you've heard of Meerkat or Periscope, they just came on the app scene. Or Stra.am. Um, Meerkat was unveiled at South by Southwest, which is a software <laughs> festival and now, not just the yeah. music <laughs> it's i know of, it's it's been years. it's all it's, a, it's everything mike it's a myriad is there of, south by edu <laughs> yes there's south by edu there's also south by gaming i did not i just found that out yeah there's the south by all the things but <laughs> meerkat unveiled so it's an iphone only app which is going to be a theme of the next few minutes um <laughs> And basically, you press a button, and your Insta streaming it tweets out to through your Twitter account and sends a link, and then anyone in the Meerkat app can also discover you. And there, it's sort of like the "Hey, this weird thing's happening." Button press, live stream happening, and it's it's trying to take the cognitive load because there's been apps to stream yourself. You can do it through YouTube. You can do it, um, you know, I guess Google Hangouts technically, but it's basically through YouTube. Um, or, you know, there's, I'm trying to think, Justin TV was one. I think, I don't know if they're, yeah, they're still go- around. No, they're gone. They're gone. Yeah, they got but absorbed. There's these platforms, Ustream, and yeah. they're well, li- there's this one I just found out about. It's, it's Stream, but it's S T R E dot A M. Yeah. So there's these products out there, but this is sort of scratching the, the Instagram, the Vine, the sort of the low effort, sudden spur of the moment live stream, not the planned show with, all this, mo- all these moving parts, and I've seen just like with Twitter, just like with Vine, comedians have especially embraced <laughs> Meerkat, true. Jim Gaffigan. Like I get a notification every day, like Jim Gaffigan is now live, and, and then you just drop what you're doing, and you're like, yes. Um, I actually haven't seen a single one of his, but <laughs> <laughs> I, I did see Michael Ian Black was also on it, and uh, I, I jumped on one of his Meerkats, and he was just standing in front of a fridge. And just like very weirdly talking about how there was no real food in this fridge, and it was just that sounds like him. That's and nothing about this story is remarkable. Yeah, it was kind of funny, <laughs> and he was just being weird. And then it was over after a minute, and people were typing weird things to him. And and being a celebrity, you get to get away with all kinds of boring crap. Yeah. Um, and so I guess if Meerkat wasn't enough. Twitter recently bought a company called Periscope, and we talked about them last week as basically crushing Meerkat. And um, I don't know. There's there's been this weird hype train or behind these apps, and I kind of want to pose the question now that we've kind of explained what these apps are. Um, is this a flash in the pan? Is this the next big thing? Is it somewhere in between? <laughs> I think this has more staying power than something like Vine because – Vine, as you pointed out, works really well for comedy. And it works really well if you want to make like a six second stop motion video with like your kid and their action figures or something. That's kind of it. Like, <laughs> like an informational Vine would be stupid. And a lot of Vines become annoying immediately because they autoplay on repeat. So it's like something that would have been funny just six seconds long is now. 90 seconds long because it just keeps playing yeah. and the idiot who made me load this won't let me close it because they <laughs> think it's hilarious. And <laughs> so like that, like Vine, I never installed Vine. I've never Vined a Vine. I don't, I've seen some really funny ones, like yeah. the one where the guy takes the giant spoon out, yeah. the ice cream, <laughs> like that's hilarious, but it's because it's like a one shot joke and done, Yeah, you know? And, uh, but I think the instant live streaming and this is where, so uh, as an Android user, um, <laughs> I can't install Meerkat. I can only watch and I can't 
install Periscope or watch. Like I'm just totally shut out. And this is where I realized um, you need to be able to watch these without having the app or signing in from any kind of device. Yeah. Otherwise, to me, you're asking too much of the user. Because when I found Stree.am, I was like, <laughs> I was like, oh, here's an Android version I can play with to see if this whole field matters to me at all. So I'm sitting at my desk. I fire off a stream and I have the phone sitting there pointing at me and I sent the link to a friend of mine. I was like, Hey, fire this up and tell me like what your side of the experience is like. And he's like, Oh, it is telling me to download an app. And I was like, are you on a desktop or on your phone? He's like, I'm on my phone. I was like, Oh, we'll switch to the desktop. Maybe on the phone. It's just trying to onboard you, whatever. Just, just do it in a web browser. Uh, it's directing me to <laughs> get my phone out and download an app. And I was like, what the hell? Yeah. I was like, you can't, I mean, imagine like if you're NBC and you're like, Oh, you have a television. Well, you have to install the NBC channel <laughs> Hi, <I'm a> network. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's just not like to me, that's an immediate deal breaker. If to watch a vine or to read you know, a we're tweet, headed there. All, all, all the TV stations will be apps within the next 10 years on some platform. Yeah, but if I benefit from it in some way, if all they are is a dedicated app that lets me watch the shows I was already watching anyway, like then it's annoying. Yeah. That's not, I don't know. No, they'll have special offers. <sighs> but the, I mean, this, so with Meerkat, you can just, even from a phone, you can just fire it up and just watch. Yep. And with Periscope, I don't think you can. What do you mean? Do I, do oh, I have to on have the, the web? App? You mean? Yeah. Oh, I don't know. You have it on your phone? Yeah. Okay. Do you want to? Do, do we have time to do live research? Yes. Okay. So Periscope, it's uh, eight thirty-eight a.m. here in Denver, Colorado. <laughs> Thanks for that. And I'm gonna say podcasting. And is it gonna tweet out the link? Yes. Okay. This is. I think this may be our first live research segment. Oh, shit. <laughs> uh, data aspect ratio. Eh. We are podcasting right now. Did it tweet out the link? It will eventually, I'm sure. Yep. Live on Periscope. There you are. Oh, God, that link is so ugly. Connecting, podcasting, Michael Edwards. And I see the side of your face, and it's sideways. So that's a little bit of an interface issue right there. You like that? Um, like that sideways face thing that's happening? So uh, <laughs> let's see. I just turned it a few seconds. We'll see what the latency is like. Uh, apparently it's about 100%. <laughs> oh, that's great. Uh, maybe it's supposed Did, to be tall only. Does it make recordings of the stuff you... Uh, yeah. yeah. It saves an archive. Okay, so we will throw this amazing video experience into the show notes. Uh, that Mike can link to. But the important thing we figured out is I didn't have to install the Periscope app to see this. Yep. Because to me, the thing is, you're going to say like, hey guys, I'm streaming now. And then people who are at their computers or at their devices can just open it and just watch. Just like if my friend tells me, hey, this funny thing just happened in the Super Bowl halftime show or on the Oscars or tune into, you know, MSNBC or whatever. Like, I don't have to say like, oh, wait, I need to install the thing to do that. Like, I just want to like turn it on. And the reason I think that that barrier is an acceptable requirement is because I'm not doing anything. I'm strictly <laughs> consuming video and we've already mastered sending video to a screen. So to say like I have to install a dedicated app implies that this is not a solved problem. <laughs> yeah. When in reality, this problem is solved. 
Yeah. Um, one important difference between Meerkat and Periscope that I think Meerkat needs to fix quickly if they want to survive is in Periscope, people make comments in the app directly to the user and it stays in the app. In Meerkat, when you talk to the poster, it tweets at them. Mm-hmm. And so all if you're like actively asking questions, like a celebrity's doing an AMA through this or something, um, yeah, just get, spamming guess what your Twitter, Twitter followers see? Yeah. Just a, a avalanche and... If you're talking to a celebrity, there's a chance other people that you follow that follow you also follow that celebrity, maybe right. more so than any random dude. And so they're going to see at Jim Gaffigan, at Jim Gaffigan, at Jim Gaffigan. And it's just like, oh my God, shut up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And from Meerkat's point of view, that means they're relying entirely on Twitter as an infrastructure. Yeah. And as we talked about, Twitter doesn't love that. They yeah. They don't love that at notably, all. Notably, Periscope. Um, I know this can be sometimes annoying, but it's separate account, separate messaging infrastructure, separate, yep. like, it can stand alone. Mm-hmm. And I think that's mostly a positive. Yeah, I want, I mean, Twitter now owns them, but I want integration with other services. I don't really like when something is too tightly coupled with a service I don't have a super high confidence in. Like when Spotify was married to Facebook briefly, that sucked. Not happy about that. Yeah, and I remember specifically, I got a Spotify account before that with my email address, and then I started recommending it to people, and they were like, oh, you have to sign in with Facebook? And I was like, no, don't. I'm just kidding. I didn't know you had to do that. (laughs) Do not get an account. And then apparently enough people felt that way that Spotify backpedaled, and they've they've stayed backpedaled now. Yeah. It's not optional, which is the way it should have been. Um, Should we stick a fork in it? I think we should. You want to wrap it up? I do. Um, So you can check out these awesome show notes if you head to sunriserobot.net slash flipping table slash 60, and we'll have, including this Periscope little live stream video, I'll post the archive of that. I'm in the show notes. Um, we love feedback, so tweet at us. I'm on Twitter at Medwards Music. And I am at Lions in Beta. And while you're at, you know, doing all these things we're telling you to do, um, you should subscribe to our shows. So if you're, you have a favorite podcast app or if you need suggestions, uh, you can use Overcast on iOS or Pocket Cast on Android. Both great apps and just, uh, Search for Flipping Tables or use the RSS button on our website. It's all over the place. Just tap the RSS button on your phone and your phone should do the right thing. Um, rate and review us on iTunes. Uh, if you, We love ratings and reviews. They help us out uh, if you take a trip over to iTunes. Um, and you can support us directly on Patreon at patreon.com slash sunriserobot. And one of the great benefits at certain uh, Patreon supporter levels is we will mention you on this show. And uh, we are so thankful. We love our supporters. They, they make this possible. So special thanks to Bruce Edwards, Matt Mariner, and Sean Byrne. Our ultra-platinum diamond... Yeah. Monster cable level supporters. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much, and uh, we'll see you next week. See you then.